0: Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm
1: Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory count, and Foreman is as poised as can be!
0: Let's get it started
2: in here
1: There's no disrespect so when i bust my rhyme, you break your neck we got 5 minutes for us to face. Oh, All yeah. yeah. tradition Cause when we be out fully right so crazy out. Downs pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Goal! Let's get it started. Ha. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started.
0: what's up up, everybody this is the sporting edge and today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash the sporting edge they've got over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player that's audible we're finally back into it remember this week Gotta break down the World Series, Roz. We, we are, are
2: gonna break down the World Series. But before we get to the World but Series. I can't even,
0: can't even get a World Series I first. I can't
2: because I cannot give you the World Series first because you were gone. You were away this week. But, I, a lot. but I did the show. You did the show. This was not On like. The you, road. I'm not saying you missed anything, but I wanted to bring the people. Me and you were regular men. You know that? We're just regular people overall, and things irk us. And there are sports topics that irk us as well as stuff. To you, you're a big styrofoam cup guy. You don't like the plastic cups. Get to the point. I'm just going to say, things can irk us, and I'm very irked about the Lonzo Ball situation. What about it? The Lonzo Ball situation being how negatively he's being portrayed by other players in the league. Let's just throw Gortat real quickly on blast. Let's throw John Wall on blast real quickly. I'm a little fed up, and I know we've got the World Series to talk about, but I have to bring up how Lonzo Ball is going to move forward in the NBA. And I know you're on team ball right now.
0: Well, I mean, he's averaging basically a triple-double. So, honestly, I don't think he cares what people say. I mean, the guy's very soft-spoken, never said anything, even when his dad, I mean, is all over the place. I don't think he really cares either way. I mean, he's coming to do his job, and he's been, I think, one of the—definitely the best rookie in the NBA, in my opinion. Ben Simmons has been awesome. I don't want to hear about Ben Simmons. Okay. Regardless, he's been one of the best rookies— playing at a very high level um,
2: and picked apart John Wall the other night. So I got a quick question. So Oscar Robertson, Russell Westbrook, the only two players ever to record a triple-double. Is it out of the realm of possibility that Lonzo Ball, the rookie, could have a a career year and his rookie season and average a triple-double as a rookie? I don't
0: think it's impossible, but I'm going to say it's probably not going to happen. He's definitely talented enough. I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't see it this year. But you know, it doesn't mean if he goes 12, 8, and nine that you know, it doesn't really matter. The triple double is just a. Uh, it's just a series of words. I mean,
2: you're not right? a you're not a triple double believer. I, I, Russell Westbrook's I, not putting up the same numbers he did last year. Well, I mean, he's that, got he's got a family to feed over there. Paul George. Don't you and think Carmelo that would make Anken. it easier? Better scores, more assists.
0: Not necessarily. I mean, Carmelo doesn't need a year. rebound. Last year, Russell Westbrook you know, held the ball about 80% of the time. So he's going to get it no matter what.
2: But the rebounds will still be there. In fact, the Carmelo thing brings up a quick point that I read the other day. How oh, he's that a bum? He, he is minorly a bum, but he's an all-star. Potentially a Hall of Fame scorer. So would you keep that in so your what, mindset? So is he a Hall of Famer or not? I think he's potentially going to be a Hall of Famer. I would put him in a class that would he would be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll go in with LeBron or Chris Paul, but he might He might still be a Hall of Famer. Jabari Parker. He's out until February. I just have to get my kicks in about this. He's still my favorite player behind Dwayne Wade. The day Dwayne Wade retires, I have to shift focused. All right? Jabari Parker, before he got injured, averaged 20 points a game and 6 rebounds. They say Jabari Parker has the scoring ability of a Carmelo Anthony, yet has the intensity to go get rebounds and be more prolific on the court. I just want to put it out there. Baseball, which we're about to get right back into, is in this amazing era. You can't tell me you don't enjoy baseball anymore. If Even if you're just a casual fan, the young talent in baseball is unbelievable. From Mike Trout to my boy Bryce Harper to this Astros team we're going to cover with Correa, Springer, Altuve. The young talent is spectacular. There is going to be a shift. I want to put that out there here first. I know I've been all about the Warriors, how they're going to win their next three titles in a row, but there's going to be a shift in the NBA. And I think young talent is about to prevail in the NBA. I mean, Ande Takumbo is the best player in the NBA, hands down right now. Averaging 30 plus points a game, with re with him almost averaging a triple double, the game is changing. LeBron is getting a little bit older, but still will compete and still make it every year. The Warriors are the Warriors, but the Warriors look slower this year. And I'm not saying that means anything until later down the line. Okay, game changing it doesn't. The game is changing though. Can I get at least yes? Maybe the game's changing. I mean, uh, no, you can't. Why not? Tell me who. Like you just were back in Lonzo Ball. He is part of this movement as well. I mean what's the movement besides that the Warriors are still the best team by far in the NBA? You think would you put all your money right now on the Warriors winning the NBA finals this year?
0: No, I wouldn't, but I don't I don't bet on favorites like that. I never have and I never will. It's just not I think they're going to win, but it's not worth my my money personally to put money on them.
2: I don't know how long that stretch can last is all I can say. And I don't know how impressive Draymond Green and Klay Thompson really are compared to some of these other stars. Yes, there's Curry. Well, they won two out of the last three NBA titles, so there you go. Okay. That kind of speaks for itself. And in recent history, teams have not gone on to put on dynasty-led decades. I think that there have been shifts in time. I know the Celtics only were able to pick up one with their big three, and people thought it would never end. LeBron, Dwyane Wade, and Bosh only picked up two. I mean— They went two for four. That's— what, like well, that's not a dynasty. <laughs> so LeBron went back
0: to Cleveland. Like I don't get your point. What are you comparing? Point how is, many dynasties have there been in the NBA? Maybe two, like Lakers and the Celtics, for a period of ten years. Like you're acting like that comes as a regularity. It's not regular
2: at well, all. I'm, that's so, call but that's it a that's the point I'm making. Is I'm saying there isn't going to be a dynasty in the making here. I believe because of how much talent there is in the young pool. But they're not more talented than the Warriors. I think they're developing to be more talented. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be a legitimate contender. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be a legitimate contender. This year? Not this season. When? But within the next three to five years, okay, without a doubt. So if we're sitting here in three years and the Warriors have won two more
0: titles, are you not going to call them a dynasty still? 20. If
2: they sweep and go the distance there, win the next three in the time before our next show, where we talk about Lonzo Ball being MVP and him having won an NBA title already, then yeah, I would say the Warriors would be a dynasty there. Well, you, know, I, you just don't have any love for this young talent. I like the young talent,
0: but it doesn't take. It's just hiding the fact that there's still a mega superpower team, in the
2: NBA, that probably not going to get the throne. I'm. I'd be interested. I was very much that I would push all my chips to the center on the Warriors this year, I've slid half my pile back.
0: I mean, we're five games in.
2: I know, and that might just be the false fantasy I've developed, but I I have a feeling that the NBA is going to be a lot tougher this season on the Warriors, and who knows what that means towards the end. You know? I think, one, I think LeBron's never to be counted out, which I feel like a lot of people have done with this whole Warriors movement. But there's I don't know why, but I like the Bucks. I like the Bucks a lot. They're a complete team. They're young. Andy Dekumbo is a force to be reckoned with. I like this Rockets team when Chris Paul gets back. And I like this Thunder team. I think that Thunder team has a lot of animosity buildup towards the Warriors. Is going to kick the crap out of them here and they're, there. You know what? They can have as much animosity
0: as they want, but they're just not better. They're not a better team. They don't have better players. They have a bunch of
2: bums. Besides Russell Westbrook. Paul George is a bum. Paul George is okay. Carmelo Anthony is a, a bum. He's a scoring phenom. So? That's what that team needs, especially since all the Warriors well, do you know score. What? When we fast forward five months from now and come to the NBA playoffs, then we'll see. We'll see, but we just talked NBA. We're moving on to the World Series where young talent has been prevalent in the sport. This is all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is Sporting Edge at Liberty Talk. FM with Wits and Roz. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Wits and Roz here at the Sporting Edge. We're recording extra early this week as there's just a new timing shift. We're here on late Thursday night as we're watching Joe Flacco walk back in the locker room injured. They are up 20 to nothing, so my pre-bet seems to be working. But we've also gotten two fantastic World Series games, Xander. You got what you needed out of Kershaw, and then you just got everything you needed from the bats in Game 2.
0: Yeah, except they came up a little short. Um, well, that's on the that's Dodgers if you're side. picking
2: on the dot. I like the right. Astros.
0: You know what? We've had a great World Series so far, and as great as it's been, it's kind of been less intensified for me. Just having the Cubs in it last year, and the fact that they're playing in LA the first two games when it was light out when they started. I, just, I the intensity of the World Series for me needs to be at night with the bright lights on. Regardless, though, two great games, and I was super happy with Game One, and I think the my biggest takeaway. And the best part was Clayton Kershaw came to play. Seven innings um, was unbelievable. Looked like the Clayton Kershaw, who has been the best pitcher in the major leagues for the past decade in the regular season, finally got his first shot at a World Series and absolutely dominated the Astros. Awesome to see. Like I said last week, we were still debating the Yankees-Astros series, and I said I was taking the AL no matter what. Now we move to Houston, and obviously, game three has already been played. But we basically moved to a five-game series, three games at Houston, then two possible games in L.A. And we had a great game, too. You know, 11 innings. The Astros down 3-2 to two in the ninth. They come back. George Springer with a big home run. I mean, an unbelievable game. And the Dodgers, whose bullpen has really been, I think, a silent killer on that team. Kind of the back. Kenley Jansen, the best reliever in baseball, the backbone of that team. They let the Dodgers down in Game Two, and we saw a huge win on the road by the Astros. But
2: that's—I got a big question about the letdown. So then that's one game, and this bullpen, like you said, has been the backbone. Has been unbelievable. But it comes to be, they are the best relief staff in baseball, bar none. This Astros lineup could arguably be one of the best batting lineups. In baseball, bar none, and so you have two incredible forces meeting in the middle. One of them has to give, and I was very impressed with what the Astros had to offer. Yeah, but you know what? You look at the at
0: the Dodgers too. You know, maybe they don't have the same star power, but I mean, I think their lineup is just as dangerous. I mean, you look at a guy like Justin Turner, who has been everything. The Game Dodgers one is two run more. homer. I mean, he's been unbelievable. You know, I want to say that however long he's been with the Dodgers, I feel like the past three or four years has really come to play Um, in this playoffs. I mean, you know, I remember against the Cubs, or excuse me, the first series against the Diamondbacks, huge three-run homer in the first inning of Game 1, really set the tone for this postseason for the Dodgers. You got Corey Seager, who didn't play in the NLCS, coming off a back injury, back in the lineup, has been... It's a home run in Game 2. Has been hitting very good. Cody Bellinger... One of the best rookies in baseball had a career year: thirty-nine home runs. Yasiel Puig hitting four for the Dodgers. That's from AAA
2: to World Series starting.
0: That is something I never thought I would hear again. So you look at both these lineups; they're super exciting. Um, Justin Verlander was pitching great until he gave up two home runs, but I mean, he was on cruise control, and I really love watching him pitch. Um, you know, really has a, a good game plan. It reminds me a little bit of Kershaw when he's on. You know, there's really not much you can do to stop him. But one bad inning—that's all it took. These teams went back and forth till the 11th. Now we sit here at 1-1, and looking at the next five games, you know, if we go to six and seven, we've got some pretty interesting pitching matchups. Roz, game three, you Darvish versus Lance McCullers. Game four, Alex Wood versus Charlie Morton. Five, get Kershaw versus Keichel. Game six, if necessary, we get Verlander versus Rich Hill, and game seven, right now slated Lance McCullers versus you Darvish again. So. You know what? This is this series is very up in the air for me because guys like Darvish, McCullers, Wood, Morton, you, you really don't know what you're going to get. I mean, they've had flashes of brilliance. Flash
2: if they get brought in earlier in the series to save the series.
0: Right. So, I mean, super exciting. Like I said, Game 3 has been played. And I'm going to go out and say that you Darvish puts on a show in Game 3 and shuts up Houston at home. But, you know, obviously we'll
2: find out Saturday. You Darvish had a fantastic statistical season to start the year in Texas, didn't he? And if you can't sense my sarcasm, there is a lot of sarcasm there. He's coming back to the Lone Star State, where he was traded away, denying the Cubs the ability to trade for him. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I think he comes home to Texas, which isn't even his home, and he gets lit up. I think Carlos Correa goes for arguably four home runs. I think Altuve goes five for five. I'm putting all the base runners on. I think Hugh Darvish is going to get pounded in Game 3. And that's just... That's just a little bit of hatred and animosity I've built up about you, Darvish. But realistically, I have a point to make about Justin Turner. I've been thinking about it nonstop. And maybe it's because I watched all the series against the Cubs. When he's batting, it looks like the pitchers are uncomfortable. It looks like they don't have a game plan. There's nothing they can figure out. Plus, he gets the bat on the ball. What appears to be, obviously this isn't statistically correct, but like 99% of the time. He's one of the scariest hitters. And I'm a huge fan of Harper, and I know the pure power. You can look at Stanton, Pure Power, Trout, and all those players, but there's a way to get them out. They do. They're not. They're not superheroes. But for some reason, I have the feeling that Justin Turner really has been a superhero.
0: Yeah, he just seems to always come in at the clutch, which is. I mean, not many players can do it, and that's those are really the guys you remember, especially in October baseball, um, which has the most pressure in it. So, I mean. The series has so many great players, so many great storylines, so many great pitchers as well. I mean,
2: it's... Would he not be your clear-cut MVP if the Dodgers were to win? Well, you know... And there's the Kershaw argument, but I think Turner has been more important game by game.
0: Right, I mean, but right now we're only two games... We're three games in, we know the results of two of them, so we'll see what happens, but... I mean, game four, Alex Wood versus Charlie Morton. I mean, Alex Wood started off the year hotter than anybody, any pitcher in baseball. I think he started 11-0. and And Charlie Morton, the last time I saw him pitch, was spectacular. A lot better than I'd ever seen him throw. So, you know what? This is, I think, what you want out of postseason baseball. You've got two powerhouse teams who really excel at all phases of the game. And to me, it'll be interesting to see, will the Dodgers bullpen bounce back? I mean... Kenley Jansen, like I said, 0-2 home run in the ninth inning um, to tie the game. Really hasn't done that all year. Kenta Maeda has kind of revitalized his success in the bullpen, throwing up to 95 now. I mean, you remember as a starter, he was only throwing 91 or 92. So we've got a lot of, a lot of interesting things going on at the back end of the game, which is kind of the way the game has been shifting over the past couple years. I mean, it's it's been about bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. And you see managers... You know, willing to yank their starting pitchers in the fourth or fifth inning, which is, you know, kind of a different tone
2: of what baseball has been for the past 50 years. No, I completely agree. I'm really interested. So, you like the Dodgers, and actually, at a line I think you would take, they're going to be uh, the Astros right now are minus 132. So, you can pull on the underdog here. I think realistically that this game is a coin flip. But I think it starts early because, like I said, the only way to get to this Dodgers team is doing it early. And that's not to slam their starting pitching. I just want to make that point. But I don't think, like you just brought up, you can get to Kenley Jansen two games in a row, let alone two games in a series. It's almost like that LeBron effect we talk about. Mm -hmm. When you put him in a seven-game series, he's going to win it most of the time. Obviously, there has been the Warriors' results. But Kenley Jansen just comes off to me as one of those guys that you got to him, you figured it out, but he's going to come back and put... Put a new chapter in the book. He's going to figure it out
0: again. Yeah, and I don't know if they want to. You know, he pitched two innings that game Do You think I don't they know, avoid they
2: want to extend him that much? But I mean, when it comes one, down... up, one nothing in the ninth inning, game three. Obviously, we don't. Yeah. This game has happened, but would you put him in? Oh, I'm am talking
0: about going multiple innings. Obviously, I'd put him in. But okay. Well, you just said he went multiple innings, and oh, I'm saying I don't know if they want to do that again. Okay. But you know what? This 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 part of the season you put your best players out there and if they're tired you know what kind of tough shit you deal with it I mean you want your best players out there it happened with Rawlins Chapman last year remember the Cubs and he really slowed down near the end of that series and Joe Madden very poorly managed World Series I thought they did come away with the win which was awesome but you saw what happened with a guy like that you Darvish needs to be around the strike zone this Astros team um, went from the worst strikeout team in the league to the best this year they don't strike out that much so he's going to need to be around the plate and give this Dodgers team at least five innings
2: absolutely so while I'm on the Astros you're on the Dodgers quick mention Joe Girardi was canned this week not canned they apparently they're mutually not they're not bringing him back I think he left a legacy. He left an era. He was a player there. He was a coach there. He I'm, won I'm, his World Series. I'm surprised by it. I'm pretty surprised, but what I'm hearing is he's ready to go back to the family, and we're ready to come back to you after the break, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at Liberty Talk. FM with Wits and Roz, and
1: we'll be back with
2: more football after the break.
1: What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report at bubbathebubbershot.org. At we want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubbathebubbershot.org at to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbershot.org. Make sure you get it, it's a must have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report.
2: What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back. And it is Saturday that you are listening to us on, and we are ready to bring you our college football picks. Witz and I are winning you money if you are following along with our picks. I'm winning you more money. By one game, he is winning you more money. He is 15 and 11 after going two and one last week. I'm 14 and 12 after going two and one last week. And let's before we get into picks and what's going on this week, and obviously we're going to recap. USC is atrocious. Can I put that out there? Yeah. You, you wanted to use this platform to make fun of me, get back at me for hopping on the Sam Darnold train one game against Notre Dame, and it didn't happen. Is USC ever going to happen again? Because it sounds like it every preseason. I don't know about you, but they're all of a sudden the top five every preseason. They're the best team to never play, basically. They're the best team on paper every year.
0: They are. I mean, I just remember, I think it was three or four years ago, they were the preseason number one and went seven and six. The best decade for USC football has been... I don't even lackluster. I think might be a little generous. That's I think
2: underwhelming. That's too generous. I know. <laughs> Underwhelming's generous.
0: It's it's been bad. I mean, a, a team with this much talent every year, how they can't put together, you know, just a kickass season.
2: I've won my mind. I've one kind of idea. They are in LA. Some of the best publicists in the world. Some of the best entertainment in the world. I think they just hype up players. I mean, I've been the one to rip USC because their quarterbacks they deliver to the NFL have panned out to be nothing. Nothing. John David Booty, Matt Leiner, we've been over all these players. Sam Darnold might have been significantly overhyped, as was this USC team. I mean, we were joking at the beginning of the year if the Bears were to fall off, although that's a conversation for a later segment about the Bears impressing me, which I don't think I've ever said in my entire life. But I don't think if you have the number one overall pick this next year, you know exactly which way you're going to go. This Wyoming quarterback, how about Falk from Washington State? West Virginia, having one of the best quarterbacks in the in college football right now. Right. Sam Darnold, has he showed you anything? To, like He's definitely not leaving this year.
0: Yeah, it's been a tough year. I mean, it started oh. off early with a bunch of interceptions, and people were like, you know, turn around. But this USC team... Has just not looked good this year, and then to come out and get spanked by Notre Dame—I mean, forty-nine to fourteen—unacceptable. I mean, they're down twenty-eight, nothing. To Notre Dame a team, I
2: don't believe that is that special. let me be real.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say. They're six and one. You know, they did have that. Um, One bad loss. Who did they lose to? They lost to Georgia. They lost to who? Which was a close game. The Bulldogs. Right. But they did beat the crap out of Michigan State. So this Notre Dame team, I'll keep them on the radar. But for me right now, you know, Penn State ranked number two. I don't even know who. Georgia number three. TCU number four. Alabama, to me right now, is almost equivalent to Golden State in the NBA. I I like that. I don't see a team that... Is really anywhere near the same caliber that they
2: are? Well, you finally closed. You closed the book on Harbaugh as well, and Michigan, and you got what you wanted last week. I picking did get Penn what State. I wanted.
0: That a rage.
2: Pick. We both did.
0: It was a rage decision. It was rash, but it was necessary because I'm so tired. I'm so tired of Jim Harbaugh now. I thought nine and a half was a lot. Let me tell you, it it wasn't was a an- decent amount. And you know what? We told we said that Michigan was shit. Not at the beginning of the year. We were on the Michigan train. We hopped off, and we immediately turned the boat around, and they were, they were terrible. Um, still with the quarterback problems, they are the, they're the LSU of the Big Ten.
2: Dude, that might be your catchphrase. I think you've said that every week for the last four I, it just, weeks now. It,
0: it fits so perfectly because they can't find a quarterback or an offense that actually works, and they got beat down last week. Um, so Michigan, they're done. I don't want to hear
2: about it. Wisconsin's them. still undefeated. I just want to
0: throw that name out there for you because I know that's another yeah. one of your – So yeah, I've got two teams in the in the top ten that will bow out within the next couple of weeks. That will be Wisconsin. <laughs> that will be Georgia. 10- Georgia,
2: get out of here with the Georgia. And I'll let you – here you go. You took Florida. I did take Florida. You got them at plus 13.5. How, how in God's name can you feel comfortable when they have zero offense and a defense that has been shakier since our whole escapade with them? You know what, Florida has had a really
0: tough week. I um, mean You look at Jim McElwain with the death, the death threats, a lot of turmoil surrounding this team right now. And this is when I love taking these kinds of teams. They fold a ton of pressure. turmoil. No reason in God's name that they should win this game at three and three, almost plus fourteen. But they are at home. This is an SEC matchup. And Georgia is notorious for folding late in the season when it matters the most. So I I think Florida has a chance to win this game straight up. That's my honest opinion. I'm going to be very surprised if this is not a close game. Because I, I like the rivalry. I like them being at home. And I don't think Georgia has really been tested this year.
2: I appreciate that pick, and we're going to stay in Florida, although, like I said, Georgia is my team this year. I'm going to ride with them. I don't know if they'll cover, but I know they're going to win that game for sure. Staying in Florida with my pick, I'm taking Florida State minus four. They're not going to be in the state of Florida this week, but they'll be against Boston College. That's just a game. Florida State is going nowhere, obviously. They've just had an abysmal season losing their quarterback. Mm -hmm. They need the win. They're going to go into a Boston College team that just isn't anything spectacular, They did
0: hang with Clemson for a little bit. They
2: did. Three quarters. But I think when it comes down to it, the more athletic team wins, Florida State pulls that off. Now, hopping back to the Big Ten real quick and being back in the top five, me and you are both taking Penn State plus 6.5. I think it's the biggest game of this week. You got Penn State versus Ohio State. Ohio State at home. I know it's tough to go into Columbus, but the last time I checked, there is a big flag sticking in the middle of Columbus's stadium that says, OU still attached to it. So they're not unbeatable. And I think Penn State, plus six and a half, is a very valuable, valuable pick this week. Right, and I mean, everybody, talk about Penn State, talk about Saquon Barkley being probably
0: the Heisman favorite right now. Trace McSorley, a huge game last week against Michigan. But the story of this game for me is the Penn State defense. Number one in college football in points allowed. 9.6 a game, not even 10 points Ohio State has been on fire offensively the past few weeks, but they have not seen anywhere near the kind of defense that Penn State is going to put out there. And I think that that's the kind of thing that keeps you in a close, intensely heated, you know, rival conference rivalry. Is a good defense and Penn State, I mean, this game might be 10-7, but Penn State will be in this game because of their defense. I don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to rush for 200 yards like he's accustomed to doing, but I think this will be a great game. Super excited. Definitely, I agree with you. Game of the week and game of the season for these two teams. Um, you know, Penn State could still make it to the college football playoff with one loss, I believe. But this this losing, would shut the door. Losing to Ohio State would be brutal. But It would State, shut the door State, on Ohio State. Oh, it would absolutely shut the door on Ohio State. And there's not much to say except I think this is going to be an awesome game.
2: I'm very excited for this game. This is what I'm hearing is JT Barrett has been putting up the numbers again to arguably put him back in Heisman contention, and that's fair. But again, like you said, they're not playing the caliber teams that are Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. All right, I think that Penn State's going to grind this one out. I'm not sure Penn State's going to win. I think they cover it. Like you said, 10-7 is a reasonable score if that if they can both defense step up to the plate. I got to tell you, I like Penn State overall. I think they need to be the team that represents the Big Ten this year. Again, me and you don't think Wisconsin has a strong enough offense to handle any of the teams, so would go up against. I like Penn State. Now, with our last pick, I am staying in the Big Ten. I'm taking Michigan State on the road at Evanston against Northwestern. So maybe I or can. At, go at Evanston College. At Evanston College, no, but they're at Evanston this weekend. In Evanston is the word I was looking for. I think I went all on the road. I know those are a lot of trap bets right there if you take your road games. I like Michigan State minus two and a half. I think their win against Michigan propelled them. They're 16th in the country. You want to keep having a good rep. I don't believe they're going to make it to the college football postseason, but they want to keep building on their program success. Why not go and try to get some recruits out of Chicago by beating the only Chicago-based college team, and that's Northwestern Wildcats.
0: Okay, fair enough. I am going to go with a team that you've talked about a lot this year. West Virginia, plus 7.5 at home against Oklahoma State. This is another great game, in my opinion. I love that they're at home getting that half point on the 7. And they have what might be the best quarterback right now who's playing in college football in Will Greer. twenty six And tell me
2: he doesn't look like the guy that was on the West Virginia basketball team with the long hair. He does. He does look they a lot like They are identical.
0: That um, but, yeah, Mason Rudolph on the other side of the ball for Oklahoma State. I mean, this is a pretty premier matchup quarterback-wise. Oklahoma State, with a nail-biter against Texas last week, took them to overtime, and Texas threw an interception, um, lost 13-10. But this Oklahoma State team, I don't think they're very good. I know they're 6-1, but they did get blown out by TCU, like I said they would. And I I think West Virginia takes this game in in a close matchup. I'm saying 28-27.
2: I find it interesting you always have to throw the TCU thing back in my face. I get it. Oklahoma State's one loss happened to be against me. Or for me, but the Big 12 is interesting, like you said. Texas played them close. Oklahoma played a close game last week against Kansas State. The Big 12 in basketball and in football is one of the toughest conferences to bet on. And we'll see. I like your West Virginia pick minus seven and a half. I love that extra Plus half a point. Eight. Plus seven and a half. I meant I like that extra half point. But that's all the time we have for college football this week, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at of FM and AMFM twenty four seven. We'll be back after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and we're here with the NFL, the highlight of our week. Although, for me, it's been very grim. There's been a dark light over my head, a shadow, as the Packers season may inevitably be over. It is over. You don't have to sugarcoat it. I only sugarcoat it because... Brett Hundley was pretty bad against the Saints last week. He had a nice rushing touchdown. Aaron Jones looks like a premier running back for this team. 131 yards on the ground, a touchdown... Couple of receptions here and there. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out completely. So there is the sugar coat on top of this. Hundley may come into his own. It is tough when you blow a lead against the Saints, which is tough because they have one of the best offenses in the game. But it's tough. We need to keep winning with the Vikings and Lions being where they're at. It's going to be tough. Also, last week I wanted to bring this up earlier. The Bears. I don't know where your take is on it. I had a nice little conversation with some of our friends this week about it. The Bears are not disgusting. They're not. They're, they're not much, bad.
0: They're much better than I thought that they would be at the start of the season. I mean, the defense is playing pretty damn good. Eddie Jackson they turning out to be a premier player. A uh, Just an unbelievable game. I mean, to score not one touchdown, but two on defense, both 75 yards, pretty awesome stuff. But this defense playing well, young players, obviously Trubisky, who... I think it has looked like he has the potential. My only problem was the
2: lack of offense we saw, though. Right. They won 17-3, so their defense really was suffocating, if you think about it. Right. But their offense didn't win that game. In fact, that offense tied that game 3-3, if you take away the two defensive touchdowns. Yeah, but I mean, I think when they were up, that that was
0: just kind of the game plan. I mean, Trubisky threw seven passes the entire (laughs) game. Pretty hard to believe in an NFL game that a quarterback could start the entire game and throw seven passes. But... Kind of a moot point for me. Trubisky, I think, has looked like he could be good someday, which is really all that you hope for out of a young player. Um, so the Bears, you know, what this season, I, I kind of th- threw it in the bag beforehand. But going down the road, going down the road, I think this Bears team could be a team to look out for. I mean, that team was awfully fun in the mid two thousands with that great defense, and it looks like they could be building another top five defense. Which always gives you a shot to win. Always
2: gives you a shot to win. I think they're going to steal some wins this season. I mean, right. And they already have. They already have. Steelers, Panthers, I mean, those are those are two pretty good teams. But I think that shows the lack of competition. Or not the lack of competition. I just think the NFL as a whole this year is poor. The records you know are what? poor.
0: It's, maybe it's poor in your opinion, but maybe that means there's better competition. I mean, I think... I, I kind of personally like it better. Yeah, but
2: the way they lose games is disgusting. I mean, that Carolina game, that wasn't competition. That was Cam Newton was awful.
0: He was bad. He was bad. But
2: Matt Ryan has been
0: awful. He, he has been horrible. I, but I just like how the league is more, much more unpredictable this year. Um, and if you
2: look at some of the wins, like these Jets and Dolphins wins, they're in the here's the other part. Is it really competitive? The Ravens have given some of these wins up. The Ravens have looked awful. The AFC North as a whole—they're looking awful. The losses aren't. There's no glorious wins I've seen. Like the best win we saw—and this is not to toot my own horn—was Aaron Rodgers delivering that game-winning touchdown against the Cowboys. Yeah. That was one of the best wins we saw. That was a highly competitive game that came down to the end. We're, the Jacksonville Jaguars winning 46 to seven in London over the Ravens. I mean, it's not great football. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not. The records are all closer. And maybe that will drive competition down the road when game crunch time matters about making the playoffs. But the NFL as a whole has been pretty disgusting. And I almost went into the Larry David right there with the pretty, pretty, pretty bad. So I hope it turns around. I hope this Cowboys team turns around because they were I, got off to a slow I start.
0: Because I don't give two shits about the Cowboys. I don't honestly. like
2: the Cowboys organization, but I think they'll drive competition in the NFC East. And I Because look at the Eagles right now, 6-1. and one. That's a team you can tell me, Wow. They might actually be legitimate, especially the way they handled the Redskins.
0: I think the Eagles are in a lot of trouble. They lost their starting left tackle last week. And one of their key defensive players. Jordan Hicks, two key guys, and Jason Peters is one of the best left tackles in football. And it's hard to notice as a casual fan, which I consider myself casual. I'm not breaking down game scripts, but you really start to see a team can break down when the offensive line breaks down. Because a, a quarterback in Carson Wentz, who's had a ton of success all year, because his, his ability to be protected in the pocket has nine touchdown passes the past three games. Um, without your starting left tackle, who's the best offensive lineman on that team, things can get dicey. I mean, I think he's pretty mobile, though. He of, is mobile. That running pocket last week. when the pocket collapses all the time, it's hard. I mean, you saw it last week. Andy Dalton against the Steelers got mauled in the second half and really just had no shot. You saw it at the beginning of the season with Eli Manning, as good as he is, was not able to get any piece of offense going with that makeshift offensive line. I think this team is in some trouble. One team who I think has been, throughout the season, besides the Eagles, the most impressive, got to be the St. Louis Rams.
2: They, I have, they I have to that you. That is a good football team. That, and it only shows, I don't care what anybody else says, how bad Jeff Fisher is. Yeah, how bad Jeff? Jeff, Jeff Fisher is a punching bag on this show. He should be. He should be. He, he is on part of my take. He's on here. He's terrible. Jared Goff looks like a legitimate number one overall pick. Last year, he looked like he was the biggest bust of all time behind la- Jamarcus
0: Russell. Last year, Goff and Gurley, and this year, Goff and Gurley. I mean, you could put them in the league. I think you could both. You could put both of them in the top ten for MVP right now.
2: Yeah. As a quarterback, I think you are responsible for the most part. And I think Todd Gurley, like you said, he's second in rushing. So this offense is dynamic. And you know what? Hats off to Sean McVay, if that's really what it took to get this thing going. But, God, Jeff Fisher, if you had this talent and it clearly isn't showing. And you know what? They're not even using Sammy Watkins. I know. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, An undrafted. Was he undrafted? Late round pick. I don't know. He I didn't a, know who he was before he caught his first pass. And now he's he's efficient on this team. He is. We should get to our picks for the week. And your picks are, none of us have the Rams, but we're going to stay in the NFC for at least my first pick. I'm taking the Falcons minus five. It's enough losing for the Falcons. They've got the Jets this week. The no, the J-E-T-S suck, suck, suck. I don't think they're a legitimate team at all. Their wins have been all fake. As fake as porn stars, you know what's are. And it's over. The Jets will get smoked this week in a much needed smoking and Matt Ryan will get his mojo back. Yeah, I don't know. Stay in the AFC. You, you, you're still in the AFC South, so tell us who you took in the AFC South.
0: Well, I've got an AFC South and an NFC South, but I'll give you my AFC first. Or I meant, yeah, NFC was. The- <laughs> okay, I'll go back to back. I got Carolina plus two at Tampa Bay. Carolina was brutal last week. Cam Newton was terrible. But Tampa Bay's pass rush, I think, is non-existent. They had Simeon Rice. Coming on saying he wanted to come back and play pro-, pro football after being out of the game for 10 years. That's how bad their pass rush is. I think Cam Newton will exploit them this week. We'll bounce back with a great week.
2: It's the hard knocks curse. Tampa was such a hype team for me. I We love them, and it's just been brutal.
0: Yeah, 2-4, and four, not good. Uh, my next pick, AFC South. This is a tough game, but I'm taking Houston on the road at Quest Field, plus 5.5 <laughs> against the Seahawks. They are getting Dwayne Brown back, starting left tackle. You see my theme here. Strong off, strong offensive line, I think, will lead to a strong performance. Lamar Miller, give me 20 touches and 100 yards this week. Deshaun Watson is going to go into Seattle, beat them, just like he almost beat Tom Brady in his first start. Houston's going to win this game. Great
2: tie-in with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is minus seven and a half this week, and I am absolutely riding the Tom Brady train. He's going to win. Keep this going against the. Sounds worst. like a half
0: point too much for me.
2: The LA Chargers are god awful, and I'm so. Meanwhile, they're three and four. And meanwhile, the Jets and Dolphins were above five hundred. The NFL is awful. We just had. I wanted to begin this topic with how bad it is. It's but going to be at easy. At the same
0: time, a win is a win, no matter how you get it.
2: A win is a win, I guess, but it doesn't matter when your team start to get their mojo. Tom Brady showed what he had against that Atlanta Falcons team, putting them to rest. That Super Bowl is forever gone and done. The Patriots definitely deserve to win that at the end of the day. My last pick is the Redskins at home. They're underdogs at home to the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott, suspension or not, I think it's just weighing on this team too much. It's too much to every week have to worry about whether or not your starting running back is going to— play that goes into your scheme that goes into your game plan and it's never set i'm going with redskins plus two xander you've got five seconds to tell us that you're taking the browns
0: yeah pity pick browns plus nine and a half in london versus the vikings bad crossing, teams win in london crossing my fingers for deshaun kaiser because this could be ugly
2: bad teams win in london because they've been there so many times that's all the time we have this week everybody this is a sporting edge with wits and raz. we love our football we love our fans And follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. Have a fantastic sports weekend, everybody.
0: Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.